0: Christmas is a wonderful time of the year. Many traditions are found at this time, like foods, decorations, parties, gifts, songs, and yes, even movies. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. I'm sure we all have our favorite Christmas movies, right? It could be White Christmas, Frosty, Die Hard, or even one that I didn't mention. In this series, we're going to pull out biblical truths that can help each of us live lives better from four Christmas favorite movies. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Glad you guys are here. If you're joining us online, we're glad you guys are here, especially you, Dusty Wood, and your family in Tennessee. We're glad you guys are there. And uh, so last week, Pastor Rob started our Christmas series called Christmas at the Movies. And uh, if you've been around a while, you will know this about me. I love movies. Like, I love movies. I'm the kind of guy that if I like a movie, I'll watch it over and over and over and over again. Like, I'll watch it dozens of times. And I would never get bored. Like, I'll sit there and I'll watch a movie and I'll just, like, notice different things, you know, each time I watch it. And so I love movies, but I've got to be honest with you guys. I'm not a big fan of Christmas movies, okay? And so if this is your first time here, you may, that may come as a surprise to you. But everybody that knows me knows that I'm not a big fan of Christmas movies. Um, you know, like Pastor Rob, last week in the first uh, movie for the series... Uh, the movie that he picked was Elf, okay? Now, that happens to be a movie that I kind of enjoy, all right? Now, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Elf, but Pastor Rob talked about it. And, but that's one of those movies, honestly, I'm never going to sit down to watch the movie Elf. I'll watch it because as I'm sitting on my couch and I'm flipping through the channels at this time of the year, it's on like every other channel, okay? It's hard to miss it. And so I do enjoy uh, you know, watching the movie Elf. Another one that I enjoy watching that's on on every channel as well is Christmas Vacation. Okay, um, I'm a bit of a fan of Clark W. Griswold, okay? But I have to warn you, okay, especially those of you with children, Christmas Vacation is not really a kid's movie, okay? Especially, like, like if you watch it on like uh, the TNT or TBS cable version of it, you're probably okay. But like the real version of it, the unedited one, is quite offensive, okay? And so I would encourage you to stay away from that one, all right? So, uh, but so as you're flipping through, you might see all those channels. And, and as you know, Pastor Rob, last week, he confessed, okay? It's confession, I think. So his, his favorite Christmas movie, which is really odd, because him and I don't agree on a lot of things other than Jesus, okay? Um, but, but we both, uh, It's a Wonderful Life is our favorite Christmas movie, okay? And so on my DVR, um, thank you for that one applaud, okay, although I had nothing to do with the movie, so um, so in our home, we have two DVRs, and my wife tends to record on one, I tend to record on the other one, and the DVR that I do most of my recording on, there's only one Christmas movie on that DVR, and it is It's a Wonderful Life, okay? And so at some point in the Christmas season, I will sit down, and I will watch It's, it's a Wonderful Life, and so like last year, I think I had had avoided it or hadn't gotten it done. And so it wasn't until Christmas Eve, late on Christmas Eve, that I was able to sit down and watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And so um, knowing that I'm not a fan of Christmas movies, Pastor Rob, so lovely because he loves me so much, gave me a sermon during this Christmas series. And so the sermon today, the movie that he put with it is the movie Home Alone, And you all may find this hard to believe, but I had never seen the movie Home Alone. Like that movie's been out a long time. And yet I had never watched the movie Home Alone. I knew, um, and I'm going to say his name wrong. um, I knew that Macaulay Culkin, is that how you say his last name? Macaulay Culkin is in the movie. I, I know that Joe Pesci, I knew that Joe Pesci was in the movie, which seemed kind of an odd movie for Joe Pesci to be in you know, but Joe Pesci was in the movie, and and so other than that, other than knowing that he got left home alone, I didn't know anything about the movie, and so because I want to do a good job, and because of my incredible love for all of you, I recorded Home Alone, and this week, I forced myself to sit down and watch it. This is my response to that movie. It is one hour and 43 minutes of my life that I will never get back. (laughs) I'm personally holding Pastor Rob responsible for making me watch it. So anyway, hour and 43 minutes, I'm never going to get back. But real quick overview. If you've never seen Home Alone, I can't help you out. But, you know, maybe plug your ears if you don't want to know. So, Kevin... Macaulay Culkin's character is in a big family. They're going on this European vacation. He's kind of a pain. He's kind of an irritant as the movie starts. And so they get, his mom gets irritated at him, sends him up to like the attic to where through one snafu after another, they forget that he's in the attic. They take off on their trip to Europe, leaving Kevin alone. He comes downstairs. He's all by himself. Everything is great because okay, he's by himself. And so he's enjoying his life, he's enjoying jumping on his parents' bed, he's enjoying eating whatever he wants, and then some burglars try to break into his house, and so the whole point of the movie is Kevin's home alone, but he's fighting off these burglars, and, uh, and in the end, he, you know, him and his neighbor bring them to justice, okay? Not trying to make a political statement about this movie, but I did read this week that um, when he goes to the store... The items that cost him like $19.53 would cost you almost $80 if you went to the store today and tried to buy them, okay? Now, in fairness, that was like 30 years ago, so that shouldn't be that shocking. But anyway, so that's the the point of the movie, Uh, but the good thing is for you guys is we're going to actually look at the Bible instead of the movie, okay? (laughs) Uh, um, So so we're going to be looking at several different passages of Scripture, and at some point in the sermon, you may or may not realize how Home Alone relates to it okay? And it's okay if you never figure that out, all right? It it won't bother me at all. And so today, though, as we look at these passages of Scripture, um, I don't really want us to notice necessarily Mary and Joseph. I'm not even necessarily wanting us to focus on sweet baby Jesus in a manger, okay? What I want us to notice is how different people respond to the birth of Jesus, Okay, how different people respond to the birth of Jesus and the first witnesses of it. And so the first witnesses that we're going to notice are the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says this, it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so our first people are the shepherds as they're responding to Jesus. How do they respond to Jesus? There's two things that they do. Number one is they praise God. Like they they see sweet baby Jesus in that manger and they're praising God for his birth. But secondly, after seeing Jesus, it tells us that they go out and they begin to tell people about what they have seen. All right. And so as we look at these four different people and their responses to Jesus, these four different groups of people that we're going to look at here real quickly, I want you to think about how that applies to us. Because isn't that the same response that you and I ought to have to come in contact with Jesus? Like when we meet Jesus, we ought to praise God, okay, because we found Jesus. And then secondly, our job is to leave this place and go tell the world that Jesus has been born. Our job is to praise him, And our job is to go out and tell the world that Jesus has been born. The second person I want you to notice is a guy named Simeon. He's in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Now this verse is really cool. I'd love to know how this all went down. But it says, verse 26, It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. they praised God. And they went and told others about this guy, Jesus. And so Simeon sees Jesus, and his response was also to praise God. He realized, and I, you know, I could only imagine the, the, the feeling this must have been for him, but as he's holding Jesus and he's sitting there with Jesus, realizing like his life is complete. Okay, there's nothing left that he has to do. There's nothing left for him to do. Like him sitting there going, Man, I can die in peace right now because I have held this baby Jesus in my arms. Third person is Anna. She's also in Luke chapter 2. Starting in verse 36 says, There was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And so Anna sees Jesus, and her response as well is to thank God. Her response is to to speak of the redemption that would be found through Jesus. Okay? So we have the shepherds, we have Simeon, we have Anna. And then lastly, I want you guys to notice the Magi. The Magi in Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read the whole section. We read verses 1 and 2. And then 9 through 12. And so as after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And so the Magi saw Jesus, and they worshiped him, and they brought him gifts. And so the shepherds praised God, and they told others. Simeon praised God, Anna thanked God, And and these magi, they worshiped him and they offered him gifts. And so all four of these responses to Jesus that we've looked at, they're positive, aren't they? Like there's no negative responses in there. And yet the reality is through scripture, not everyone or what we know because of Jesus is that not everybody is going to respond positively to Jesus, right? Like does everybody that you encounter in your life want to hear about Jesus? Like There are some times when you're talking to people and they want to hear about Jesus. And then there are other people that you speak to. Maybe there's some of your family members you're going to spend some time during this holiday season. They don't want to hear about Jesus. All right? And so not every response to Jesus was positive. Those four have positive responses. But you know Simeon also said something else to Mary and Joseph. Listen to this in Luke chapter 2, verse 33. It says, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, "This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very own or pierce your own soul too and so Simeon is letting Mary and he's letting Joseph know that not everybody is going to be happy with Jesus as a matter of fact he's letting them know that going to, there's going to be pain that comes about because of Jesus' life and so as i think about simeon's words as i think about what he shared with mary and joseph and especially mary in that moment i wonder like was mary thinking of those words was mary thinking of those words as jesus was on the cross like as he was suffering on the cross was she thinking of simeon's words that something was going to happen to her baby boy I wonder about that. But the other response that I want us to notice today, and it's quite a negative one, is actually the response of King Herod. In Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 3, it says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And then going to verse 16, it says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children refused to be comforted because they are no more. And so Simeon had praised God because of his experience with Jesus. But he told his family that there were going to be divisions because of him. And so secondly now, we have the response of Herod. He's disturbed at the idea of someone being born that's being called the king of the Jews. Doesn't that make sense? Doesn't that make sense? Like, have you ever heard of a king that's happy about hearing about somebody else being born that claims to be the king of his people? You know, like if if we had a king of the United States, which we don't, but he wouldn't be happy to hear about some other king being born. And so Herod isn't happy about this idea of some king, someone claiming to be king, being born. So here's our point today. For every group of shepherds and magi who come to Jesus to worship, there's going to be people like Herod who feel differently. Like for everyone that, that is happy to hear about Jesus, there are going to be those that don't want any part of Jesus. And, and there are going to be people that, that aren't too thrilled to hear you talk about Jesus. They don't want to encounter Jesus in their life. And so this goes beyond a Christmas message because the reality is you and I are in a spiritual battle each and every day. Like we are in a spiritual battle each and every day. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. The devil is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You ever watch one of those nature channels? It isn't pretty when the lions go out to devour things. That's the devil, how he wants to relate to us. James chapter 4, verse 7 says, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I love that verse because it says, listen, resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil isn't all-powerful. And so if we resist him, he has to go, okay? But the real key verse for us in this battle is found in Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray also for me that when I open my mouth, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Howard, can we help you? All right, let's uh, let's have a word of prayer for a moment. Uh, Lord, you know. you know what's going on in Howard's heart and his mind right now. And so, Lord, I pray that you would um, just be near him. Uh, Lord, I pray for wisdom in trying to help him and to encourage him. And, uh, Lord, we don't, we don't know the turmoil or the struggle that's going on inside of his heart and his mind right now. But, Lord, we do pray that... Uh, just so you would be working in his life. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just give wisdom. (laughs) I I thank you for the gentlemen who came to the stage. I thank you for them, and just pray that you would give them wisdom even right now as they are talking with Howard. And uh, just thank you, Father, so much for your care and your concern. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. (laughs) Not quite sure how to go on from that um because here's the reality i'm not i don't i don't want to put that gentleman in this category but as we're talking today we're talking about this idea that we are in a spiritual battle we are in a spiritual battle and what the devil wants to do to us is he wants to discourage us he wants to distract us he wants to destroy us like that's what those passages of scripture are telling us that is the devil's purpose is to do those very things in our lives. And yet the scriptures that we looked at told us that, that our enemy can be defeated if we resist him. Like, I don't even know if you realize that or think about that sometimes. Like, I think, like, we all face temptation. And sometimes we go, oh, man, the devil made me do it. Well, you know, the truth is the devil doesn't have that power in our lives. Because if we resist the devil, the Bible says that he will flee. In, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so no matter what temptation you and I face, God has given us a way to get out of there. Like we have no excuse, all right? So we have an enemy. He's looking to take us down. Our enemy can be defeated if we resist him. The third thing I want you to notice is this. Is, you know what? We need to remember who our real enemy is. All right? We need to remember who our real enemy is. So when I write my sermon, every, every pastor does things differently. All right, uh, When I write my sermons, I type them out. I write them word for word. I write a manuscript. But in this section, I did something different that I don't ever do. I left it blank. Okay? I left a blank spot next to this. Because it says, remember who our real enemy is. You know, several years ago, there was all this kerfuffle uh, on the news channels and different things about this war on Christmas. Okay? And, and many Christians got so upset because people weren't saying Merry Christmas. Like if someone said ho- Happy Holidays to them, it was like they said something offensive. All right, And as I was thinking about this sermon... And especially that passage in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about how like our battle isn't against flesh and blood. Like our battle isn't against against people, our battle is against the devil. Okay? And so you know what? If I go to Ralph's and the person that helps me at the checkout stand doesn't say Merry Christmas to me, it's not a big deal. You know, if they say happy holidays, it's gonna be okay. Even if they say Merry Xmas, it will be fine. Okay? (laughs) Same is true at the gas station and at the restaurant. You know, who cares if they say Merry Christmas? You know what I do care about? I don't care about the world saying Merry Christmas to me. I care about us as Christians showing the love of Christ to the world around us. Does that make sense? Like, who cares if they say our words? What ought to happen is we ought to be showing the love of God to the world around us that's what really matters during this time and really all year long. Okay. And the last thing that I want to mention this morning is in Ephesians chapter six, it talks about putting on the full armor of God. And there's really two different things that I want to mention that are so important. Like that's a whole sermon in itself. But the first thing I want to mention is this, is the importance of you and I spending time in God's word. It's so important for us to be spending time in God's Word. Ephesians chapter 6 refers to it as the sword of the Spirit. And, And, you know, there are times where maybe I feel like a broken record. Pastor Rob maybe feels like a broken record when we say this stuff. But listen, you and I, we cannot win this spiritual battle if we are not spending time in God's Word. Okay? Like, that is our manual. That's our instructions for how to live. And if you and I aren't spending time in God's Word, there is no chance... For us to win this battle, just like an athlete needs to practice on the field, just like a a musician needs to practice on their instrument, just like an actor or an actress needs to go over their lines. Okay, as Christians, God has given us His Word, and you and I need to be spending time in it. And you know what an amazing time to be alive. The truth is, what an amazing time to be alive, because you know, for the last several hundred years you and i we've all had access to god's word if you have a smartphone in your pocket you have the ability to have god's word in your phone and you can read it anytime and so my encouragement to you if we are going to fight this battle if we're going to put on the full armor of god you and i need to be spending time in god's word all right i don't care how you do it i don't care what you do just spend time in god's word each day one of the things that i love is we have them out here at the welcome center is we have this read through the, the Bible in a year program that we do here. It's got some Old Testament. It's got some New Testament. It's got both of them uh, each day, okay? Which you may not think that's a big deal, but let me just say when you're reading through Leviticus and Numbers, you're grateful that you got your time in the New Testament each day, okay? And so, and so I, let me encourage you guys, if you're walking out, they'll be out there the next couple of weeks. You can grab one of these, to read through the Bible in a year. If reading through the whole Bible seems like too much for you, guess what? Each day has a New Testament passage. You just read the New Testament passage each day, you'll read through the whole New Testament in the next year. I don't care how you use it or what you do with it. Just spend time in God's Word. And then, you know, one of the other things is, if, especially if you're new around here, maybe you're uncomfortable, maybe you don't understand God's Word, okay? Maybe you don't know really how, know how it works. In January, uh, one of our former elders, Steve Benkert, is going to be teaching a History Bible Overview class. It's a nine-week class. It's going to be on Monday nights in the Connecting Place. And it's just going to be where he's kind of giving you an overview, well, exactly what the thing says. It's an overview of the Bible, okay, to help us understand how the Bible flows together and how it all works together. And so let me encourage you guys when we have sign-ups for that to get involved with that. The last thing that I want to mention with this this morning is, this, is, that, is the idea towards the end of that Armor of God passage. Paul talks repeatedly about the need for prayer, okay? Like he mentions the word pray or prayer like six or seven times. And so you and I need to make sure that that's part of our routine as well. I mean, there are lots of other great things that we could do, but spending time in God's word and spending time in prayer is essential. Like we can't survive without those two things. You know, so in that movie, Home Alone, Kevin's kind of left at home to fight off the bad guys. But you know what the great thing is? We aren't in that situation, okay? Like the movie was called Home Alone. He was home alone. You and I are not in this battle by ourselves, okay? We have each other, and more importantly, we have the Holy Spirit that God has given us. And so we are not fighting this battle by ourselves. He's given us help. And so our job is to put on that full armor of God so that we can win that battle, and so that one day when we stand before the Lord in heaven, he'll look at each one of us, And he'll say, well Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word, for your protection, for your love for us. Lord, I pray that you'd help each one of us to realize that there's a battle going on each and every day. And that you would help us to to be ready for that battle. That we'd be preparing ourselves, Lord. That we'd be spending time in your word. That we'd be spending time in prayer. Thank you, Father, so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org. Or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. mercies and your love that you've always shown